The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Today we're going to talk about Virgil Carpenter. I actually don't have a lot of background information on Virgil Carpenter. This happened several years ago, so a lot of people, it's, it's either faded from memory or people just decided that uh, they don't really want to be associated with it or whatever that you want to insert there. People in the Bible Missionary Church still know about Virgil Carpenter, though they'll, they'll recognize the name when you bring it up and, and um, talk to you a little bit about it. This happened, I believe, in the early 90s, right around there. The first article, in fact, we're going to go through is uh, dated October 11th, 1992. And this is from the Lewiston Tribune. And here's your headline. Minister convicted of sexually abusing girl. A minister was convicted of child molestation after testimony from a nine-year-old girl who took the stand clutching two police badges to bolster her courage. The Reverend Virgil Carpenter, pastor of the Bible Missionary Church in the town of Ontario, buried his face in his hands as the verdicts were read Friday. Carpenter, 48, was found guilty of two counts of sodomy and four counts of sexual abuse. Sentencing was set November 16th. Nobody wins in these cases, but I'm pleased with the outcome, said District Attorney Patricia Sullivan. Before the verdicts, Carpenter told supporters gathered in the court, I'm really not worried. I'm right with the Lord. On Wednesday, the girl testified while holding two police badges. She said she asked for to, quote, help tell the truth and speak loudly. She recounted molestations dating from March of 1990 to October 1991. Carpenter faces a second child molestation trial involving another nine-year-old girl. He also faces a third trial for allegedly failing to report on a foster parent's application his 1972 Texas arrest for unseemly conduct. Before we break this down, let's go on to the next article, which there's really not much to it, but uh, just adds a little bit extra. This is from the Orlando Sentinel, dated uh, in November 18th, so right about a month after the first article that, that we just read. Headline, Minister Gets 21 Years for Sex Abuse of Children. Notice it's plural there. A judge sentenced a minister to 21 years in prison for sexually abusing his eight-year-old foster daughter and her nine-year-old playmate. 
Judge J. Burdett Pratt cited the special vulnerability of the victims in handing down the sentence Monday to the Reverend Virgil Carpenter of the Bible Missionary Church. On October 9th, a jury convicted the 48-year-old pastor of four felony counts of sexual abuse and two felony counts of sodomy of his foster daughter's nine-year-old playmate at the minister's home in 1991. In a second trial, Carpenter was convicted October 22nd of sexual abuse and sodomy of his foster daughter. Again, keep in mind, this was a Bible missionary church pastor, a CHM denomination. I noticed there at the end of the first article we were talking about, the one from the Lewiston Tribune, it says there at the end that he also faces a third trial for allegedly failing to report on a foster parent's application, his Texas arrest for unseemly conduct. Am I wrong here in assuming that that shows premeditation? If he left that off of the application, was this his plan all along? I don't know. I understand it's um, that I'm just speculating here. But that seems awful odd to me. But again, we have a guy here that is a pastor looked up to as the man of God, the MOG, the shepherd of this flock. And he abuses, is found guilty of abusing these two girls in absolutely horrific ways. Ages eight and nine. And he also had supporters in the court. Did you catch that? Supporters. I understand that you're innocent until proven guilty. I get that. But I tell you, in a lot of these close-knit CHM communities, man, it sure looks like you would have caught wind of something. Enough to where I'm not sh- I wouldn't want to necessarily be there being a supporter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. But the guy from Christian Aid Ministries that we hear about from uh, when David Iker was on, I believe he had supporters of his. I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. Don't, don't fact check me on that one. Or actually do fact check me on that one. I'm not sure about that one. I know from some of the, like the Amish, uh, what was that Amish documentary I seen the other day? There were definitely supporters in the court for that. Multiple, oh my gosh, multiple supporters for the rapist. It's sad. And I understand that you want to think the best of people in your community, but sometimes you get some bad people in your community as we've demonstrated here from, uh, from this story of Virgil Carpenter. Why do these stories seem to happen time and time again? We've covered several of them here. I don't remember right off the top of my head. Was this number three, maybe? I know we, we just covered P.D. Wolf a little while ago, even though that wasn't a crime of a sexual nature. It was still a man that was supposed to be watching the flock, and he was doing the exact opposite. Was taking advantage of people. Why do these stories keep happening? P.D. Wolf also had supporters. If you remember when we talked about him, the, the judge acted like he was um, almost surprised because he said these people act like they, they don't believe that he scammed them out of their money. I know time and time again, whenever something would come up shady about an individual, the conclusion was always given to us that somebody was out to get them that the judge had something against Christians or that um, I, I remember in, in the case of uh, 
uh, one evangelist that got in trouble for some domestic abuse. The going story was that, well, not not the you didn't necessarily hear the same story every time, but one version of the events that you would hear is that members of his family were out to destroy his ministry. They were out to tear a good man down. And come to find out from the court record, it was absolutely not true. It was not true what everybody was saying. The man was guilty of it, according to the court. It's disturbing. It's really disturbing. And things like that make me really sit back and, be, and, and think about the whole cult conversation. It's like, ugh, that looks really weird. looks really weird whenever one of the ministers, and, and they said the same thing about Walter Bradshaw, that it was not, oh, it's not true. That's what circulates. Um, I believe my wife told me she'd heard the same thing about Virgil Carpenter in the BMC circles. Well, that's not true. He didn't do it. Somebody lied on him. I think, uh, you know, the judge was out to get him or something. I really, when I think about this cult conversation, it's like, man, any time that one of the guys inside of this movement, we'll call it a movement, gets brought up on some kind of a charge, the spin machine kicks in and it's automatically pushed that this is a very, very good man of God and he's just under attack from the enemy. When so many times that's not the case. It's not the case. In fact, I can't name you one time that it is the case. I mean, it may have happened. I don't know. But I don't know about it. So, again, I bring this up to try to push the point that you trust but verify. Just because somebody says they're a man of God, don't blindly trust them. Please. It could save you a lot of pain, a lot of heartache in the future. A lot. And where a lot of this, I think, we've probably talked about this before, but I think that the sinless perfection thing that is taught by the CHM, which from what I understand, there's a bit of a debate about it now in the CHM, but what I grew up around was that you get the second work of grace and then you never sin. They would say it's still possible to sin, but you don't. You just don't. And so then anybody that is, especially those in leadership, because we always looked at those guys as, boy, they're just a, another step up. They're, they're closer to God than I am. So we looked at those guys. Well, obviously, they don't sin. They have the second work. They're doing this thing correctly. So I think that that teaching from the CHM leaves a lot of people vulnerable to this type of thing, to a wolf in, in sheep's clothing coming in there and wreaking havoc. Because if we believe that someone is a brother in Christ in the CHM, then we think that this person doesn't sin. And so therefore, when they do, the CHM is not ready for it, and they get hit with it. While I'm here, I wanted to play something. Because I know that we are very hard on the CHM when it comes to how they deal with the threat of sexual abuse. And in a lot of cases, the way they deal with stuff that's already happened. But this past week, I heard a CHM preacher that I feel is saying some of the right things. And I wanted to highlight that because we've, we've ragged on the CHM for doing what is wrong. And I wanted to give props to this guy that seems to have seen the light. I don't know how long ago he's, you know, he's, he's kind of picked this up. 
I, I don't I don't know anything about it. I've never met the man. I know of him. That's it. But uh, Ron Stevens was just in revival in Indiana, and I was listening to one of his sermons, and um, he started to come down the line about how the CHM has handled sexual abuse. And I want to I want to play some of this for you. Can I tell you there's another one that, that I think we need to talk about? You know, we, let me tell you what we have done for too long in the Holiness Church. We have taken problems and we've shoved them under the rug and we said, let's not talk about it. That doesn't fix anything. We need to talk about these things. We need to have some conversations, okay? We need to talk about these things. We need to have some conversations because there are things that take place. And some of it takes place under the name of God that should never ever, ever, ever take place. Already he said more than I've ever heard come from a CHM pulpit, more than I can ever remember. I'm not saying that, that it hasn't happened. I just don't remember it. All my years of attending a CHM church and CHM camp meetings, he's already said more than I can ever remember hearing. You know, I have counseled a lot of people around altars that were violated as kids. Somebody took advantage of them. Some of them, they were family members, somebody else, somebody they knew. And, and I am amazed at the amount of people that I have ministered to that have been violated. And can I take a moment to say this? Jesus said it would be better to have a millstone hung about your neck and cast into the depths of the sea than to offend one of these little ones. So I just want to go on record as saying this because I'm a man that likes to keep good balance, okay? Okay. Um, if you are in this crowd or listening to the sound of my voice and you are a sex offender, you can repent and find forgiveness by the grace of Almighty God. That's absolutely true what he's saying. Okay, I'm just trying to keep a balance. But that means you repent. And what repent means is not only are you sorry, you're sorry enough to quit. Yeah, Okay? You can't go on and proclaim the name of God. It, you will stand before judgment day and it will not go well for you. But you can repent and turn from your wicked ways. And you can find grace in an hour of need. And yes, you can be forgiven. Oh, how do we pick up the pieces? These children that have been violated, these children that have been misused and abused, and I want you to know I've counseled a lot of them, and they are genuinely hurt, and they are genuinely destroyed. He's doing a heck of a job. Again, more than I've ever heard from a CHM platform. And if you notice what he said there, he's also letting, letting the crowd know that apparently, in his words, he's seen a lot of it, the people he's counseled, people he's prayed with around the altar and stuff. And in my counsel with many people, we begin to come around to what does this individual that, need, that has done this need? And you know, to my amazement, I don't think I had a one of them ever look at me and said they need to go to hell. I don't think I've had a one ever tell me that. I think they've all recognized that what they need is Jesus. And I said, I mean, I guess that's, you know, it's uh, every, every victim's going to have a, their own personal opinion on that. Uh, it's, it's interesting that 
that's the response he's gotten over the years. But You know what I think we need to do? I think we need to pray for that individual. You know what else I need to do now? Let it be known. Let it be known uh, that if I know of an individual that has violated something, I am reporting it to the police, okay? I just want you to know that's who I am. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to know this. And just not if it is continued abuse that is going on. If you tell me, I, I'm going to tell the authorities. It's just who I am. I'm letting you know up front who I am, okay? Because I don't believe in shoving this stuff under the rug. Right. I don't believe in this stuff will just go away. Right. Because this stuff will not just go away. And we've got to deal with it, okay? And so, with that being said, here's the hard part. To those of you that are wounded for one reason or another, anything in between, a word or an act. And I'm letting this go on here for a little bit longer because he's, he's getting to a point about forgiveness that I think is very, very important. Learn to forgive. That's right. Now, we need to talk about forgiveness for a minute tonight. Again, I'm talking about the church having power. Amen. Okay? Jesus said, if you don't forgive them of their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of yours. Boy, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Now, can I give you a little note on forgiveness? Do you know forgiveness isn't always for them? It's for you. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe I could... Use the analogy, oh, I don't know, maybe I could use the analogy. Let me pick on this young lady right here. How you doing? If I'm over here and I'm preaching, I got my hand here and she's got a hammer and she smacks my hand with a hammer. Oh, that hurt. What'd you do that for? I don't know. I just kind of felt like I needed to. Forgive me. Oh, oh. okay. Whew. I forgive you. But you know something? As long as she's holding the hammer, I'm not putting my hand back down there. When she puts the hammer down, then maybe I'll feel more comfortable putting my hand there. That's what I wanted to get to. I like how he's talking about forgiveness and all that, and I believe all that stuff is important. I also agree completely with what he said. It's easier said than done, but I like that where he's painting this picture that forgiveness does not mean you just then let things go as normal. You talked about getting your hand hit with a hammer. You don't just put your hand right back down there now since that person asked for forgiveness. You don't set yourself up to get hurt again. You don't let the abuse continue. That's not forgiveness. That's not a part of forgiveness. But major props to Ron Stevens for saying what he said. And I may post this over on the Facebook page because I I want to give this guy who is a CHM preacher, I want to give him credit for what he's saying. And I wish that we could hear something like this from the rest of you, the rest of you CHM preachers. How hard would it be to say this just to get the ball rolling a little bit instead of worrying about defending yourself or not even defending yourself, defending a movement and trying to make it look like that this movement has never had anything wrong ever or making it look like that all of the uh, quote mistakes of the movement have been very small. Why not say something like this? Where are you at? Where's your voice? You know it happens. I've talked to people that it's happened to. I'm guessing you've probably talked to people that it has happened to as well. Can't you say something like what Ron Stevens did? Just take a stand. Major, major credit, major props to Ron Stevens. Again, I don't know the guy. I'm guessing 
me and him would probably disagree on a lot when it comes to religion, but he's trying to stand up for victims and to bring an end to some of this mess that's happened in a lot of the church world. And I understand it's not just the CHM as well. It happens in a lot of the church world, including the Mennonites and the Amish and the Baptists and the Catholics. But I so appreciate Ron Stevens saying what he did. And I would love to see some of the rest of y'all follow suit and stand there with him. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.